from deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, um, just a modest proposal for your listening pleasure. Uh, The news this week, of course, depressing to many, does uh, actually, possibly, seem to point a way forward towards a bipartisan solution. Isn't that what we all want? Um, It's kind of a ray of light that I found. That's what I do. I'm a healer. So um, we know, thanks to the existence of a conservative Supreme Court, that abortion in the United States will soon be illegal. And we also know from a United States Senate with enough conservatives to matter that the Second Amendment is more important than the lives it sometimes costs. So here's where they come together. Under this new bipartisan plan, when a woman needs to end her pregnancy, a new federal program will put her in touch with an adolescent young man who owns a weapon and and has been through a program that trains him to avoid any collateral damage. The woman and the man will meet in a safe place and he'll simply shoot the fetus. As I said, I'm a healer. Hello, welcome to the show.
From New Orleans, Louisiana, I'm Harry Scherer, welcoming you to this, this very edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the warm, won't you? I think you already did. Soft, listen to the warm. We can listen. China, China, China's sea levels reached their highest on record last year, swelled by rising water temperatures and the melting of glaciers and polar ice caps. That's according to the Chinese government. Do you believe them? This is from Reuters. Coastal sea levels were three, almost three and a half inches higher last year than the average in the period from 1993 to 2011, according to the National Marine Environmental Modeling Center, Monitoring Center. In an annual bulletin, so they're not, too, not in too much of a hurry, the report warned that rising sea levels brought by climate change were having a, quote, continuous impact, unquote, on the development of coastal regions. I should think so. And urged authorities to improve monitoring. Always improve monitoring. You know, that's a recommendation you can make every single time, no matter what it's about. Better monitoring. And urged authorities also to bolster early warning and prevention efforts. True that, too. The long-term effects of sea level rise include erosion of coastal ecosystems and the loss of tidal flats. How much do you value your tidal flats, ladies and gentlemen? While coastal cities face greater risks of floods and salt tides, said the center. It's part of the National Resources Ministry. Coastal sea levels around China have now risen by an average of three, oh, sorry, 0.13 inches a year since 1980, higher than the global rate over the period. So uh, China's leading. China's number one. The temperatures of China's coastal waters fell slightly in 2021 from the previous year. They were still the third highest on record. So that may have something to do with it. That may. Las Vegas is being flooded with lore about organized crime after a second set of human remains, pardon me, emerged within a week from the depths of the Colorado River Reservoir, which is drought-stricken. So the water level's going down, so the bodies are showing up. That's just uh, 30 minutes from the strip. There's no telling what we'll find in Lake Mead, said former Las Vegas Mayor Oscar Goodman. It's not a bad place to dump a body. He says, Goodman, former mayor, 
but as a lawyer represented mob figures, including the ill-fated Anthony Tony the Ant Spilotro, before serving three terms as a martini-toting mayor making public appearances with a showgirl on each arm, according to the Associated Press. Nice details, Associated Press. He declined to name names about who might turn up in the vast reservoir formed by Hoover Dam between Nevada and Arizona. Quote, I'm relatively sure it was not Jimmy Hoffa, he laughed. But he added that a lot of his former clients seemed interested in, quote, climate control, unquote, mob speak for keeping the lake level up and bodies down in their watery graves. Instead, the world now has climate change, and the surface of Lake Mead has dropped more than 170 feet since 1983. The lake that slakes the thirst of 40 million people in cities, farms, and tribes across seven southwestern states is down to about 30% of capacity. Quote, if the lake goes down much farther, it's very possible we're going to have some very interesting things surface. Unquote, Michael Green, a University of Nevada, Las Vegas history professor, his father dealt blackjack for decades at the Stardust and the Showboat. He adds, quote, I wouldn't bet the mortgage that we're going to solve who killed Bugsy Siegel. That's referring to the infamous gangster who opened the Flamingo in 1946. Siegel was shot dead in 1947 in Beverly Hills. Well, that's a luxurious shooting. His assassin has never been identified. But, Green continued, I would be willing to bet there are going to be a few more bodies. Well, it's a betting man in Las Vegas. What's, where's the news? The dropping lake level exposed Las Vegas' uppermost drinking water intake in April, forcing the Regional Water Authority to switch to a deep lake intake it completed two years ago to continue to supply casino suburbs and 2.4 million residents and 40 million tourists a year. The following weekend, boaters spotted the decomposed body of a man in a rusted barrel stuck in the mud of a newly exposed shoreline. Corpse hadn't been identified. Vegas police say he'd been shot probably between the mid-70s and the early 80s. That's the most painful place to be shot. The death is being investigated. Putting bodies in barrels was a mob thing, it turns out, according to the Associated Press. I guess they've got good mob sources. Global temperatures have a 48%, in case you're a betting man or woman, global temperatures have a 48% chance of reaching 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels at least once during the next five years. Too many numbers for you? Roll back the tape. On your own time. Those are findings from the World Meteorological Association, the WMO. The 1.5 degree Celsius threshold is the lower limit of warming agreed at the Paris Agreement. Exceeding that level long-term will lead to potentially irreversible damage, according to Deutsche Welle, the German news service, such as rising sea levels and both the warming and acidification of oceans. So next time you want to take acid, just jump in the... Surpassing the threshold in just a single year doesn't violate what was agreed to in Paris. It shows the Earth is perilously close to exceeding this global average temperature on a long-term basis. That's according to scientists at the UN agency, the WMO. When we reach 1.5 degrees, it doesn't mean the Paris Agreement is over. It just means that it's a clear signal that efforts really need to be redoubled to reach what we call net zero, said the 
WMO's Deputy Director for Climate. He said if the world acts, the temperature will come down, although not overnight, urging people not to lose hope. WMO scientists say any surge over 1.5 degrees Celsius may be temporary, but there's a clear trend towards rising temperature. I guess they've been noticing. In the five years starting in 2015, the chances of temperatures going through that 1.5 barrier in a single year was close, were close to zero compared to one in two today. And now there's a 93% chance that at least one of the years between this and 2026 will be the warmest on record ever. You got to get to Vegas. I know, despite the barrels and the bodies and the thing. Humanity is at a crossroads when it comes to managing drought and accelerating migration must be done urgently, using every tool we can. That's from a new report by the UN Convention to Combat Desertification, the UNCCD. Like we don't want more deserts? Hmm. Now they tell us. Drought in Numbers 2022 released this week to mark Drought Day at the UNCCD's Conference of Parties, the COP. Calls for making a full global commitment to drought preparedness and resilience in all global regions a top priority. The report is an authoritative compendium. You hate those uh, off the... um, off the top-of-your-head compendia, of drought-related information and data, it helps inform negotiations of one of several decisions by the UNCCD's 196 member states. That's going to be issued on the 20th of this month at the conclusion of the COP15, the Conference of Parties. The facts and figures all point in the same direction, an upward trajectory in the duration of droughts and the severity of impacts not only affecting human societies, but also the ecological systems on which the survival of all life depends, including that of our own species, says the exec secretary of the organization. They've issued a compelling call to action. The bullet points, are, well, the two, since 2000, the number and duration of droughts has risen almost 30%. From 1970 to 2019, weather, climate, and water hazards accounted for 50% of disasters and 45% of disaster-related deaths, mostly in developing countries, so we're cool. Droughts represented 15% of natural disasters but took the largest human toll, approximately 650,000 deaths from 1970 to 2019. Hey, we've lost a million just in the two years of COVID. From 1996 to 2017, droughts caused global economic losses of roughly $124 billion. This year, more than 2.3 billion people face water stress. And unless action is stepped up, by 2030, an estimated 700 million people would be at risk of being displaced by drought. By 2040, an estimated one in four children will live in areas with extreme water shortages. Enough numbers for you? I should hope so. News of the warm, ladies and gentlemen.
It is a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now... Well, here's some nice people doing some nice things. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency here in the United States. The initial spell out ICE, as you know. It has spent around almost $3 billion over the past 14 years on a massive surveillance dragnet that uses big data and facial recognition technology to secretly spy on most Americans. This, according to a report from Georgetown Law's Center on Privacy and Technology. One of my favorite centers. The research took two years and it included hundreds of Freedom of Information Act requests, along with reviews of ICE's contracting and procurement records. It details how ICE surveillance spending jumped from about $71 million annually in 2008 to about $388 million per year last year. The network it has purchased with this $2.8 billion means that, quote, ICE now operates as a domestic surveillance agency and its methods cross legal and ethical lines, according to the report. Well, who doesn't? This uh, is made public in a report in uh, the British Tech Journal to register. ICE pulls data from DMV records, calls, child welfare reports, employment records, geolocation information, health care and housing records, and social media reports, according to this report from Georgetown Law. In addition to accessing public agencies' records on individuals, ICE also buys customer records from utility companies through its contract with data brokers. Specifically, the data brokers Thomson Reuters, which also owns the news agency Reuters. Get it? Undocumented people may not want to provide their information to government bodies like the DMV because they fear deportation, but they still need to collect their, connect their homes to water, gas, electricity, and the Internet. For people who are not easily traceable via traditional sources, a Thomson Reuters marketing letter reads, Locator information from utility hookup records may provide the only current and accurate address and phone number data available, unquote. These types of contracts with private data brokers have helped ICE amass utility records for more than 216 million customers across all 50 states and the District of Columbia according to the Georgetown researchers. Access to all of this information, along with AI tools, artificial information tools for scanning and analyzing such huge data sets, has turned ICE into a modern-day domestic spy agency, says the report. Well, we always needed one of those. You know, it was, it was illegal for uh, real spy agencies to spy on us, our own. But now we got that. Thanks to ICE. 
by reaching into the digital records of state and local governments and buying databases with billions of data points from private companies, ICE has created a surveillance infrastructure that enables it to pull detailed dossiers on nearly anyone seemingly at any time. It includes using facial recognition technology to scan driver's license photographs of about a third of all adults in the U.S. ICE has access to driver's license data of 74% of U.S. adults and tracks the movement of cars in cities where nearly 70% of the adult population lives. Additionally, ICE is automatically alerted when 74% of U.S. adults connected gas, electricity, phone, or Internet to a new home. So the agency has their home address. Almost all of that, say the researchers, has been done warrantlessly. Tom, please. Warrantlessly. And in secret. ICE used interviews with unaccompanied children causing U.S. borders, being interviewed by Health and Human Services, interviewed them about family members in America who could care for them. According to an information-sharing agreement between ICE and Health and Human Services, ICE used these kids' interviews to arrest a nearly 400 of their family members. That practice has now been formally banned by the agency. Hey, we got the ones we wanted. Congress and state lawmakers remain mostly unaware of ICE surveillance activities, according to the researchers. They noted there haven't been any congressional hearings or Government Accountability Office reports focused on such efforts. And, for the last five years, driverless car companies have been testing their vehicles on public roads. These vehicles constantly roam neighborhoods laden with a variety of sensors, with an S, with two S, with three S's. Jeopardy category, words with three S's, including video cameras capturing everything going on around them in order to operate safely and analyze instances where they don't. The companies themselves tout the potential transportation benefits their services may one day offer. They don't publicize another use case, according to Motherboard, one that is far less hypothetical. They are serving as mobile surveillance cameras for police departments. Autonomous vehicles are recording their surroundings continuously and have the potential to help with investigative leads, says a San Francisco Police Department training document obtained by a public records request. Investigations has already done this several times, says the PD. The document is a three-page guide for how officers should interact with autonomous vehicles, especially ones that have no human driver inside. Outlines basic procedures, like how to interact with the vehicles. Quote, do not open the vehicle for non-emergency issues, and do not pull vehicles over unless a legitimate law enforcement action exists. As well as to whether, it issue, whether to issue a citation for a moving violation for a car with no human driver. No citation can be issued at this time if the vehicle has no one in the driver's seat. Well, that's good news if you want to break the law. Get out of the car. The uh, section title Investigations has two bullet points advising officers of their usefulness in collecting footage. Privacy advocates, oh, them again, say the revolution that police are actively using AV footage is cause for alarm. 
Senior staff attorney at the Electronic Frontier Foundation says cars in general are troves of personal consumer data, but autonomous vehicles, they'll have even more of that data from capturing the details of the world around them, which they have to do, otherwise they'll crash into something. Or everything. So when we see any police department identify AVs as a new source of evidence, says the guy from the Electronic Frontier Foundation, that's very concerning. He adds, as companies continue to make public roadways their testing grounds for these vehicles, everyone should understand them for what they are, rolling surveillance devices that expand existing widespread spying technologies. This practice, in addition to ring doorbell footage and the ability to purchase location data, will extend the reach of an already pervasive web of surveillance, unquote, the EFF. And so that would be just another web of surveillance. Maybe the webs will get tangled up in each other, you think? Now, let's talk meat. Let's press the meat. The biggest players in the U.S. meat industry offered baseless claims of beef and pork sausage, <laughs> sausages shortages early in the pandemic to persuade the Trump White House to keep processing plants running, thereby disregarding the coronavirus risks that eventually killed at least 269 workers. That's according to a special House committee investigating the nation's pandemic response. In a report this week, the committee alleges that Tyson Foods' legal team prepared a draft with input from other companies that became the basis for an executive order to keep the plants open that the Trump administration issued in April two years ago. That made it difficult for workers to stay home and maybe not die. Meatpacking companies knew the risk posed by the coronavirus to their workers and knew it wasn't a risk that the country needed them to take according to the report by the Select Committee on the Coronavirus Crisis. Quote, they nevertheless lobbied aggressively, successfully enlisting the U.S. Agriculture Department as a close collaborator in their efforts to keep workers on the job in unsafe conditions to ensure state and local health authorities were powerless to mandate otherwise and to be protected against legal liability. Yeah, Tom, go. Legal liability for the harms that would result. The report alleges the nation's largest meatpackers and industry trade groups repeatedly misled the public when they warned that any slowdown in their operations posed an imminent threat to the nation's meat supplies. These fears were baseless, according to the investigators. It's the bipartisan House Select SIB Committee. The report is based on a review of 151,000 pages of documents, Weren't we supposed to be the paperless society by now? More than a dozen survey calls with industry union representatives, former agriculture department and occupational safety and health officials, and state and local health authorities. Internal industry documents show that, quote, despite awareness of the high risks of coronavirus virus spread in their plants, meatpacking companies engaged in a concerted effort with Trump administration political officials to insulate themselves from coronavirus-related oversight, to force workers to continue working in dangerous conditions, and to shield themselves from legal liability, like Tom said, 
for any resulting worker illness or death. In the run-up to the executive order, Smithfield and Tyson leaders held calls with members of the administration, like his chief of staff, Mark Meadows, and Vice President Mike Pence's chief of staff, Mark Short. Press the meat, ladies and gentlemen. Press the meat. A two. Oh, 
This is Lachaud, back after this brief message. When I saw the crypto values go down, I got so worried. There went all our life savings. Then my broker said, don't worry. We had bought crypto to pay for our daughter's wedding. She called us in tears, and my husband told her, don't worry. Our crypto account was going towards my retirement. That's why I was so relieved to hear, don't worry. Hey, I'm Kevin, and if you've invested from ten dollars to $10,000 or more in crypto, I've got the best news since the invention of crypto itself. As long as you made the right investment choice, you've missed out on something big this past week. All those crashing values of almost all cryptocurrencies. Why did I say almost all? Because that right investment choice was and is ZiptoCoin. You might be asking yourself, Kevin, what's so different about ZiptoCoin? And that's where I come in. You see, other digital currencies have values that fluctuate from day to day. Sometimes the fluctuations are pretty wild. And if you're not watching every minute, that can be painful. But not ZiptoCoin. It's rock solid. Its value was set at zero on day one. That's what we call the zero one advantage. And it can never change. When and if you want to convert back to old fashioned dollars, your ZiptoCoin account is available to you 24 7 plus. All my other crypto owning friends are kind of panicking right now. But as a ZiptoCoin holder, I always know right where I stand. Right about now, they're envying me. Our ZiptoCoin rep told us on day one, we could rest easy. Our account would never suddenly drop 10, 20, even 50% in a week or a day. Maybe you like roller coasters, but not for your money, your retirement fund, your investment fund, your rainy day fund. You don't have to check your ZiptoCoin account every hour or every day. Not even every year. It's always where it started on day one. That's the zero-one advantage. As an accountant, I know that planning is a key part of financial planning. When the value of a crypto account is locked in from day one, that makes planning so much easier and cheaper. As I tell all my clients, excitement is great for your entertainment, but not for your money. Hi, it's Kevin again. If right about now you're thinking, hey, Kevin, this Zipto coin sounds like it's too good to be true, don't worry. It isn't. You know, there's no bad time to open a ZiptoCoin account, but right now when other crypto values are plunging is the perfect time to join the ZiptoCoin army, the growing number of folks who enjoy the peace of mind of knowing their crypto account, their ZiptoCoin account is right where they left it. You know, outer space might be a nice place to visit, but for your money, there's no place like rock bottom. The 800 number on your screen is a great way to start enjoying the two greatest words in financial English. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. ZiptoCoin, a digital currency that buys you. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of our friend the Adam. Clean, safe, too cheap to meet. Safe, cheap, too cheap to meet. Cheap, safe, too safe to meet. Safe, safe, too safe to meet. I guess it's safe. Or clean, or something. Technical flaws, ballooning costs, and unconfirmed effectiveness have plagued the ACE card in preventing groundwater from accumulating within the crippled Fook nuclear plant. Yes, this is a progress report 
on the ice wall that's supposed to prevent irradiated water from flowing into the ocean. Tokyo Electric froze the soil to create an underground ice wall to divert the groundwater toward the ocean and away from the damaged reactor buildings where the liquid can become heavily contaminated with radioactive substances and then have to go in the ocean later. The one-mile ice wall was completed six years ago. Wow. Have we been together that long? Around the number four to number one reactor buildings of the plant, the ice bearer is initially expected to end its role last year after steps were taken, I hear them now, to prevent water leaks and plug holes at the reactor buildings. Not only, according to the Asahi Shimbun, the kid throws it, in the water sprinklers on my lawn every day. Not only has it failed to work sufficiently, but huge amounts of public funds also continue to pour in annually for its maintenance. Ice walls don't maintain themselves, everybody. I don't know if you knew that. A frozen, fro, 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 frozen ground wall has advantages, such as a high ability to block water, but its maintenance requires huge sums, says a professor of frozen sto- soil studies at a... Japanese University. That's what you say to the uh, guidance counselor in high school. I want to. I want to become a professor of frozen soil studies. Okay. Quote: An easy to build underground ice wall. Ice, ice wall was the only possible option in the early stages because of extremely high radiation readings around the reactor buildings. The professor continues. Now that it's been used for so many years. Six. Other approaches should also be weighed, he says. TEPCO has used tanks to store contaminated water, used to cool the uh, melted reactor fuel since the thing, but it's also storing the groundwater that keeps flowing in. Space for the wattage water short. This uh, story is flummoxing my mouth. Space for the water storage tanks at the nuclear plant is running out. The ice wall was supposed to reduce the volume of contaminated water. Late last year, TEPCO said the soil temperature was higher than zero degrees in an area that should have been frozen. That would uh, affect the ice wall. TEPCO said equipment to discharge rainwater accumulating in a different reactor building broke down. The rainwater there likely seeped into the ground and reached the spot with the temperature increase. Steel sheets were introduced into the soil to staunch the groundwater flow. There are uh, also leaks of the coolant that is keeping the ice wall icy. 14 tons of the coolant leaked between January and February this year. The cause? Damaged pipes and slippage of rubber parts at their joints. I said, no, you heard heard me the first time. TEPCO located the leaks and replaced the pipes, but the uh, coolant's circulation was suspended during the procedure. The... uh, the installation of the ice wall in the first place caused cost $268 million. Since the soil must be kept frozen throughout the year, electricity charges and other expenses for cooling and circulating the refrigerant when it doesn't leak 
those costs continue to grow. Annual maintenance fees topped $8 million immediately following the wall's introduction, and millions of dollars are currently injected into the system each year. Despite all the fixes and expenses, according to the Asahi Shimbun, I read it for the comics, the strategy's effectiveness has yet to be verified. Well, let's just try, you know, just a few dozen million dollars to see if this is a good idea. TEPCO, three years ago, released, sorry, four years ago, released an estimate arguing the frozen wall would prevent 95 tons of groundwater from entering the plant daily. That would be half of the inflow with no underground barriers. That prediction was exclusively for winter months with less rainfall. It didn't include torrential rain from typhoons that increased the amount of groundwater flowing into the buildings. TEPCO recently declined to comment on the wall's effectiveness. It is, quote, difficult to assess individual countermeasures because many steps are being implemented simultaneously, unquote. All of them real good. Frozen soil barriers, it turns out, are normally used only for several months. In tunnel digging, you know all about that, don't you, Elon? Elon, where's that tunnel? And other construction projects. There have been few large ice walls that have been operated for years. you got to be the first. Somebody's got to be the first. The uh, government in TEPCO originally planned to rely on the wall until March of last year, when countermeasures against water leaks at reactor buildings are finished, unquote. They have not yet started on the anti-leakage process for the structures. That's why they're going to release treated water stored at the plant into the sea, to the consternation of the fishers. Radioactive water increases by 150 tons a day at Fouke. TEPCO set a goal of lowering the daily contaminated water rise to 100 tons or less by 2025. TEPCO late last year told the Nuclear Regulation Authority that it will continue to use the frozen wall system. What is it that, uh, how, how, how is it described when you keep doing the same thing over and over again and it keeps not working? I forget the name of that thing. I'll look it up. Oh, and uh, also about our friend the Adam. British government ministers are looking into delaying the decommissioning of existing nuclear power stations in order to try to keep soaring energy prices down in the coming years. This is in a British newspaper called I. It's a tabloid. I believe it's a tabloid offshoot of the Independent. But it leads to this <laughs> phrase at the end of that sentence I just shared with you. Ministers are looking into delaying the decommissioning. I understands Prime Minister Boris Johnson has demanded this cabinet look into ways to tackle the cost of living crisis. They're having one too, ladies and gentlemen, urging them to be as creative as possible. Maybe uh, get together and have some uh, drinks. Whitehall sources have been told, or sorry, have told I, <laughs> even worse, that among the options being examined are plans to keep existing nuclear reactors going beyond the date they're due to be taken off the grid. We're considering it, but only if the regulator says it's safe. That's the priority here. And nothing could convince the regulator to say that. 
except some drinks. See, it's a system. Clean, cheap, safe to... Clean, cheap, safe to meet our friend the Adam and now... News of the Godly. Dayline Lisbon, Portugal. Yes, Portugal too. You thought they would be left out of all this? The president of the Portuguese Bishops' Conference begged forgiveness from victims of sexual abuse by Catholic churchy, clergy, as a church-appointed independent commission predicts many more abuse cases will come to light. We can look forward to that, I guess. Or they can. These attacks are particularly serious. In addition to direct physical harm, they affect the fundamental system of affection, trust, and values that sustains personal, relational, and spiritual development, said Bishop Jose Ornelas Carvalho. I hope the liberating courage of victims can motivate others in a similar situation. (laughs) Yeah, that's what they'll do. Offering a key contribution to the creation of a new culture and a dignified, fair, and welcoming future. The bishop was addressing a Lisbon, Lisbon, Lisbon colloquium. I only have uh, 15 more minutes. A Lisbon colloquium set up last November by the bishop's conference. He said he was grateful to those who had shown courage and daring to denounce their pain and those who caused it. He asked forgiveness for past lack of attention by the church. That's all it was. They were inattentive. The commission's coordinator, Pedro Strecht, said staffers had so far collected 326 personal testimonies and submitted 16 cases to prosecutors. He added, though, that fear and shame were still widespread. He said most victims were certain current cases were just the tip of an iceberg. Members of the Portuguese church concealed various situations. We must hope there will be no concealment of the concealment as we studied the archives, said Pedro Strecht. And the Church of England this past week apologized for anti-Jewish laws that were passed 800 years ago and eventually led to the expulsion of Jews from the United Kingdom for hundreds of years. According to the Times of Israel, special service held at Christ Church Cathedral in Oxford, attended by Britain's chief rabbi, and representatives of the Archbishop of Canterbury to mark the Synod of Oxford, passed in 1222. Enough twos for you? The Synod forbade social interactions between Jews and Christians, placed a specific tithe on Jews. They got the money, required them to wear an identifying badge. They were also banned from some professions and from building new synagogues The decrees were followed by more anti-Jewish laws and eventually the mass expulsion of England's 3,000 Jews in 1290. It would be 30, sorry, 360 years before Jews were permitted to return. At last! Today's service is an opportunity to remember, repent, and rebuild, said the Archbishop of Canterbury. Let us pray it inspires Christians today to reject contemporary forms of anti-Judaism and anti-Semitism and to appreciate and receive the gift of our Jewish neighbors. Service was live-streamed on the Internet. I missed it. News of the Godly, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of the broadcast. And now quickly, the Apologies of the Week. 
sorry. Texas softball coach Mike White apologized for making an obscene gesture during his team's loss to Oklahoma State. At the Big 12 softball tournament in Oklahoma City, White was ejected after a review led to an Oklahoma State run being awarded during the second inning of the Longhorns' 6-1 loss. Following his ejection, he raised his arms toward the crowd, turned back to the field of play, and flipped a middle finger to the umpires. Then he issued an apology. Today I was ejected. I would like to apologize to everyone involved, including the Big 12, Oklahoma State, my softball team, and all Texas fans for my actions after being ejected. Out of frustrations, I did something while leaving the field of play I regret, and I hope my apology will be accepted for my uncharacteristic indiscretion. He was playing hardball at the softball game. Fashion retailer Chi-Chi London has issued an apology after its disabled brand ambassador called it out for tokenism. The retailer hosted an event that was inaccessible. The incident has led to renewed calls for brands to upskill themselves on disability, this is according to the drum, and to do better at serving the disabled community that goes beyond just showing a disabled person in an ad. Lufthansa Airlines apologized this week after being accused of excluding visibly Orthodox Jewish passengers from a Frankfurt to Budapest flight. This was in a dispute over wearing masks on board during a previous flight with the airline, according to Deutsche Welle. In a statement, the German airline said on May 4, a group of passengers were denied onward boarding from Frankfurt to Budapest after an incident on the New York to Frankfurt leg of the journey. Some had refused to comply with in-flight masking requirements. Media reports indicate the passengers were Orthodox Jews. Some video footage circulated online appeared to show Lufthansa employees saying it was Orthodox Jews who had flown from JFK who were refusing to wear masks. Some passengers complained the restrictions applied, then applied to all Jewish passengers rather than to those specifically refusing to don the masks. Lufthansa's statement says, We have zero tolerance for racism, anti-Semitism, and discrimination of any type. The statement refers only to a large number of booked passengers and the large group. The company said it was still reviewing the facts and circumstances of that day. Passengers were on a pilgrimage to visit the grave of a rabbi in Hungary. Quote, we will be engaging with the affected passengers to better understand their concerns and openly discuss how we may improve our customer service, concluded the statement. An advertising campaign for the supermarket chain in England, Tesco, which used the names of foods as substitutes for expletives, has been banned. Newspaper ads, Twitter posts, and outdoor posters used words like shiitake and pistachio instead of swear words. The Advertising Standards Authority said they were likely to cause, quote, serious and widespread offense. A Tesco spokeswoman said, we're really sorry for any offense caused. We know the frustration that customers face when they notice their mobile phone bill has gone up mid-contract, and we were reflecting their frustration and ours in these ads. A retired New Orleans judge, Calvin Johnson, can still smell the tear gas. He was 16 years old, marching with other black teenagers to integrate their high school in Iberville Parish, when a mob of white lawmen and civilians attacked with billy clubs, fire hoses, cattle prods, and gas. 
He was left with a profound desire to correct the injustice, according to NOLA.com. That eventually helped make him a respected jurist in New Orleans. No no one ever issued a formal apology for that night in the summer of 1963 until this week. At the front of a church full of graduating Loyola Law School students in gowns and mortarboards, Johnson received a letter from New Orleans, sorry, from Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards, a formal recognition, as Edwards put it, that Louisiana's authority and power were unjustly wielded as an outstretched arm of hatred and a weapon of racial violence. Johnson had no idea the letter was coming. He embraced the law school dean, who's the daughter of the white mayor who desegregated city government, Moon Landrew. Afterwards, he said he was overwhelmed. I have no words to, to describe it. Well, apology would be a word. story of what happened to him on that night involves grave injustices and brave responses. After the white mob beat back the black teens, Johnson was hauled into court and convicted of inciting a riot for demanding the school board implement Brown versus Board of Education. The Pacific Grove, California City Council voted this week unanimously to approve a resolution created by the city's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Task Force that officially apologizes for the burning of a Chinese fishing village in 1906 as well as racism and discrimination faced by Chinese Americans over 170 years. We're just clearing the deck of all this hatred, aren't we? The historic resolution is scheduled to be read. Oh, it was read yesterday at the Walk of Remembrance, an annual event that memorializes the suspicious fire that destroyed the village and drove Chinese residents out of Pacific Grove for generations. Pacific Grove is uh, near Monterey. The apology was written by Kim Bui, a member of the Pacific Grove Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Task Force, DEI. Get used to those initials, ladies and gentlemen. Bui, the first Vietnamese-American director of a library in the U.S., having led the Monterey Public Library before retiring, used her researching and communication skills to compose the sweeping apology resolution. It references the history of Chinese Americans in the U.S. from the 1850s to the present and details the discrimination and racism they faced up till recent times. Up till recent times when they were targeted for hate crimes during the COVID thing. Kind of recent. The resolution also details specific racism and discrimination encountered in Pacific Grove, including looters at the time of the fire and restrictive covenants and deeds that banned sale of houses to Chinese and other people of color. And Memphis TV station Fox 13 will be investigating tweets sent by its meteorologist, Joey Sulipek, according to a statement issued on Twitter. During last Saturday's Memphis Grizzlies game, oh, meteorologist Joey Sulipek tweeted a comment that does not reflect the values of Fox 13. The station tweeted, we take this matter very seriously. Um, the comment by the weatherman was, quote, Chew on this. Draymond runs his knuckle-dragging open mouth all game long. Unquote. He was complaining about a Memphis player who uh, got ejected. The Memphis commercial appeal goes on to uh, define knuckle-dragging, recalling racist tropes. 
a racist term used to describe, to compare black people to uh, apes. Thanks for the explanation. Sulapak tweeted, anyone who knows me know what I am, knows what I am. Race is never an issue to me. To anyone who was offended, I apologize. That's a 21 apology. But there was no ill intent, he says. And soon after, social media erupted. Steve Kerr, the Golden State coach of Draymond Green, asked, Does it surprise me that Weatherman would treat a slur Draymond in 2022? Not the slightest bit, he says. This is America, unquote. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Elon Musk said his uh, proposed purchase of Twitter is uh, temporarily on hold. This is not the music you hear when you call that number. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the show. Back next week, same time, on the same radio station, on your audio device of choice, whenever you want it. And be just like Elon Musk backing out of the Twitter deal, if you agree to turn with me then. Would you? All righty. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego and Hawaii dust, to Pam Halstead and to Thomas Walsh here at WWNO for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, the music playlist heard here, and your chance to get cards, I talk t-shirts, all at harryshearer.com. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the Crescent City.